Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 103 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and thankfully, with me is Ben Bumhoffer. Ben, how you doing? I'm here and alive. Yeah, that's good, right. It's a solid start. It's going to be the only start I've got today. Oh, my gosh. Poor Ben uh, is recovering from a sucky bout of sickness, which is why this episode has been delayed a little bit um, and coming out uh, on going to be coming out on an odd day. But we wanted to get one in because we had a lot to talk about uh and we wanted to kick 2024 off right. And so Ben is fighting through it. Yes. So if I just disappear for a while and it's the Ryan show, you all know why. But considering these topics kind of matter and are very, very relevant to me, I think it's a good (laughs) idea that we get this taken care of. Well, and, uh, you know, as a side effect of sickness, Ben has a doubly sexy voice for this episode. So, <laughs> why? Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, cool. <laughs> so, uh, being the first episode of 2024, there's a few things we wanted to go over and talk about, and we had an excellent question from our Discord that we're going to be covering as well. Um. So, uh, by the way, if you don't know, we have a Discord. It's great. You should join. The yeah, link we, is we have, we have on links all the places. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dndiscussions.com. It's great. Uh, but I wanted to start out because uh, D&D Beyond just put this out like a day or two ago. Uh, and they had like a 2023 unrolled, a look back at a year of adventure. So I wanted to kind of go over a few. They They posted a bunch of stats. Uh, And I wanted to kind of just real quick skim over some of the uh, most interesting ones. Uh, First off, uh, being that of all the claimable free things on D&D Beyond, Gale was the most popular of all the Baldur's Gate 3 character claimables. I find that weird considering Karlak is easily the best character. Easily. I don't understand it either. I, apparently, Gale is fairly popular. And honestly, everyone, if you haven't played Baldur's Gate 3, I finally beat it. 155 hour first playthrough. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's there's n- there's no such thing as completionist in that game. They're, they're, like it that just doesn't exist. But mm-hmm. for what I had, I, I think I played a fairly completionist playthrough for the decisions I made. Yeah. Well, I'm on my second playthrough and I just cracked a hundred hours. So yeah, there's, and I'm doing a lot more in this playthrough than I did in the previous one. And I've still got the big shadow heart arc to kind of go through. I've got uh, another, another, another stone to get. So I'm probably looking at at least probably another 20 to 30 more hours. So yeah, there's, there, there's a lot to do in this game. Oh, I'm I'm excited to play through again. I'm going to take a little break. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm I'm playing through like some of my my single player stuff, which has been great. I've I've just got like a list of ones, and I've been slowly working through my backlog. It's it's been nice, but uh, Baldur's Gate is definitely going to get uh, 
most likely several more playthroughs over the lifetime that I played this game. Uh, it is just absolutely incredible, and I cannot recommend it enough. Yep, and I also highly recommend multiplayer on it because that just turns into a load of fun. Load of fun. Uh, moving back to stats, uh, interestingly, the average uh, age of characters that people created is 28. That's really weird to me. I don't know it's why. It's very odd. It's very odd. Like, I, I, I mean, if you think about it, that's that's like what a lot of people would consider around the age of like peak physical performance. Yeah, except that's right. So I it mean, makes sense. It 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 makes sense, especially with the, the stat we'll talk about in a few minutes. But when you start looking at like, if you're an elf, twenty eight is like you're still a little wee baby. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're or a dwarf, dwarf, yeah, or a gnome, or a halfling, or you know, that's that's really on the young side. So, uh, it, it is it is kind of interesting. And they said the average level of characters created was roughly about five. Yeah, which I, which I mean, thought was kind of interesting too. Pretty great if you've played and ventured past five, because I mean, if you think about it, that's uh, past like the first you know, adventure or two or something, you know, a lot of the books are kind of geared towards those first few levels. So it kind of makes sense that you kind of get to that point. And then either, you know, if you're playing modules and stuff, or, you know, start over or, or do another beginning one and try things out and, and kind of see what you like as you're playing through the game. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's uh, just kind of, you know, interesting, interesting stats, uh, names, this is great. This is this is one that I am so happy that they included. <laughs> the most popular name is Bob. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. Le- legitimately, the most popular name is Bob. Yep. But there are some that are picking up and gaining ste- steam here because uh, Link had a 23% growth. Uh, Serafina had an 18% growth mm. and Lyra had a 6% growth. Isn't Serafina like one of the like a like a league League of Legends champion? Uh, probably. I don't know. I I I don't touch LOL. Link Link makes makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. I mean, we just had Tears of the Kingdom come out uh, last year, so that's that is unsurprising to me. Yeah, but uh, I I also love the fact that some names declined, like Bruno. I mean, it's down by fifty six percent, mainly because we don't talk about Bruno. Obviously, um, Eddie dropped by 45%, which, um, you know, maybe it's just because people loved him in Stranger Things, but that was like what two years ago. So, as time goes on, Eddie's not as popular. And then you gotta love the the always popular, but not 39% less now, Rando. I, I, I assume that that's just like the placeholder name. For a lot of people. Yeah. Um, although I do have to say, if you ever watched the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie, um, in the credits, they had the, the amazing Rondo. So I always think of that as a, <laughs> a, 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 a wizard name. So, yep, yep, yep. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, the different species. This one is interesting. First off, we're all boring because humans <laughs> still are number one and maybe it's because of variant human that gets the free feet right that's my guess like that'd be my guess 
like if you're if you're still playing with uh without the custom lineage uh the i can i can totally see it then we have like elf fairly high up there dragonborn tiefling half elf dwarf halfling half orc genasi gnome goliath uh asimar ericokra and then some custom stuff so uh just kind of kind of interesting the breakdown uh but i people play what they know mm-hmm. sometimes and what you know is human because that's what you are so I mean, in, in some ways, it makes a lot of sense. And I, this is not just a D&D thing either. This is apparently a very common statistic throughout other games, throughout MMOs, mm-hmm. uh, that humans have historically always been the most popular. Which it, the thing that I always go with is I'm a human in real life. I'm going to be something entirely different. I, I don't know. It's just... You know, again, I'm not faulting anyone for playing as a human. You know, go with what you like. I'm I'm all for that. I'm not going to ruin anybody's, you know, choices and stuff. It's just, you know, I always like to be like something different, something more exotic, something that I don't see every single day. So to me, yeah. like, you know, I, I, you know, like to play kind of the short races or like the elves or, or more animalistic ones like the, the Heron Gone or, or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, the classes, the class statistics. This was super interesting, too. Um, most of the classes were actually like just across the board, with the exception of one, pretty dang close. Like yeah. it's a pretty even spread. Uh, fighter, most popular, followed by rogue, barbarian, wizard, paladin, warlock, cleric, ranger, bard, druid, sorcerer, monk, and then artificer at the bottom and the only the, the only real yeah big differential is that artificer like it is half basically half as much as the next highest which is monk which is only about a quarter less than the highest yeah it's uh somewhere over three hundred thousand for the fighter monk is uh, a little over a uh, hundred thousand uh, but artificer just didn't even crack 80 it's just, I I mean, a big part of it might be the fact that it's, it's in Tasha's as opposed to any of the other like starter books. So that's really kind of, you know, like stepped out. So people might not have as much access to it, but I don't know. It, to me, it seems like almost everybody always wants to play an artificer of some sort. Really like everybody needs wants to, to be Tony Stark. It really needs to be the PH in the PHB in mm-hmm. the 2024. I will be very disappointed if they don't include it in the, in the player's handbook. Yeah. In 2024. Also, this graph is actually a terrible example of how to make a graph. Yeah. And we're going to link this article because it starts out on the zero <laughs> axis and it goes up by 20s. So 0, 20, 40, 60, 80, 90, 100. Yeah. So, so it, it goes from 90 there. to 100. Then it jumps to 200. Then it jumps to 300. So looking at it, <laughs> data, it looks a lot closer at second glance than it actually is because the fighter is way up there and the monk is almost is over 200,000 less than the fighter, but it doesn't actually look like it because of how the graph is a wee bit tinier, but no. (laughs) So we'll, we'll link you to, to this article. Of course, there's uh, extra fun stats in there and everything, but I, this is like my, 
my uh, Excel brain is kicking <laughs> in on this and going, this is a horrible, this is not a good at a glance data because you can't actually tell very well. Exactly. What the breakdown is. Although I, uh, one more thing though, I do just want to say that something that's kind of neat is that apparently a lot of people are embracing the mobile app because 7 million spells were cast and even more so 1.9 million players rolled dice on the mobile app. Uh, to a total of 141 million times. Wow. That's a lot. And I mean, and again, too, all the stuff we just talked about, that's literally just D&D Beyond. Mm -hmm. This is not Roll20. This is not Demiplane. This is not Alchemist RPG. This is not Foundry. This is not your pen and paper stuff that's all around. But it most likely gives is a large enough sample size that you could probably extrapolate this out to the broader portion of the community too. Yeah. Overall data is always fun to look at, especially when it comes to some of our favorite stuff and holy crap fighters are uh, popular. It's, it's, it's the simple, easy one. Everybody just try the monk. It is so much fun to be a monk, especially new monk. The new monk looks like it's going to be a blast. Yes. Very excited for that. Uh, well, let's jump into uh, our topics for this evening. The first of which is very timely, uh, not only for the first show of the year, but uh, a lot of times campaigns will go on some sort of hiatus or break over big holidays. Uh, December, January being a, a very common one for a lot of people. Uh, so we're just going to talk for a short bit on how to come back from hiatus. Like what is, what is the best things that you can do? Um, and then this kind of actually will tie into our listener question from discord that we got as well. Uh, so coming back from hiatus, Ben, I know both of us, we're on hiatus. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on a longer extended one. You were uh, at least uh, at least a month or two um, yeah, on hiatus as well. It, it's been a bit because of uh, just tons of health problems at the end of the year. So it's, uh, it's it's been a few months, actually. And I am very much looking forward to getting back in. But, um, I mean, as you know, I'm still sick now. Um, as well as, you know, there's other uh, contributing factors. But we are going to be getting back together soon. But because we haven't played for so long, my thought was, is like, well, what's the best way to kind of get back into the game and prep yourself uh, before that that first session back? And uh, I got to tell you, I'm excited. And uh, being a DM, there's definitely plenty to do. Just, you know, refamiliarize yourself with the world, obviously, and, you know, prepare the session. It's 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 kind of normal stuff DM wise. I think that you would normally do. It's, you just might need to have like a a much bigger and better recap than what you would have before. But for the most part, DM wise, I don't think it's going to be too different than normal prep for a session. I think the big difference here is actually going to be what the players do and what the player prep is going to be looking forward and going into this this uh, first session back. What what do you think? Yeah, I I think as a DM. Um, one of the big things I would probably recommend is, oh, and we've, we've talked about the importance of good recaps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you writing them or your players writing them or, you know, the whole 
party and DMs kind of doing that in tandem. But uh, from a DM perspective, go back, read your recaps. Maybe, you know, the last 10, five or 10 sessions worth mm-hmm. of recaps to kind of refamiliarize yourself with where everything are, where the plot points are. Um, uh, if it's a homebrew world of yours, you might not need as much, you know, refreshing on that world, but for modules and such, uh, go back a little bit, skim some of the overview chapters, mm-hmm. uh, make sure you reread whatever you are prepping and potentially, uh, what the the thing that came before it to kind of refamiliarize yourself because most likely you're not going to be as familiar with the module stuff as you are with any of your your homebrew type rules yeah as well um, as uh, make sure you you do remember where you actually diverted from the module itself as well you don't want to refer yep. to something that actually was completely bypassed um just because oh that sounds like it was really cool do we do that i'm not sure so yeah yeah yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> just from a DM perspective, just getting yourself back in the mood, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes if you've been out of something for a while, <clears throat> um, it, you need a little bit of time to get back in that groove or, or find your, um, find your spot to get into it. So, uh, listening to some, listen to some fantasy soundtracks, right? Mm-hmm. There's a ton of good stuff. Uh, I love, backgrounding uh the soundtracks for things like oblivion or skyrim uh or baldur's gate 3 has an amazing soundtrack <laughs> uh to be completely honest um and so just getting back in that mindset as you start prepping again uh to make sure that you just have everything lined up and as ben said provide not just the last session's recap, but maybe a broader stroke of what's going on at a mm-hmm. higher level before you dive into the last session recap as you do your new session. Exactly. And I mean, um, th- this kind of goes into what our, our, our next point is going to be as well. But remind your players about what what the world is about, what's going on, what's the overarching you know kind of narrative that they've been introduced to so far, you know, without having like a, you know, a a 10 minute long monologue about the world, but make sure you're hitting kind of the key points and reminding everybody the things that you, you know, showed them before you took the break, you know, the the important things that you were kind of dropping around because if they caught them or not, now's the best time to, to, to point them out. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And make sure that you're players have access to whatever like document or uh, wherever you're keeping those notes of session recaps Uh, as a player, go back and reread those. Like don't count, don't uh, rely on the DM to do all the work for you. Right. Be proactive about uh, refreshing yourself on where was my character? What happened the last few Mm -hmm. sessions? What was I focusing on? What was I doing? What are, and and then as a party, what are our overarching goals that we're working towards right now? Yeah. And, um, you know, as a player, I always like to take, make sure that I'm taking notes. Um, 
sometimes I'm really bad at it depending on the session. You know, if like uh, it's mostly a combat session, I'll, I'll, I'll like write down like we won or something like that. Um, <laughs> if there's a lot more story kind of going on, I try to make sure I, I grab all the important stuff where um, it, it's, it's come up and been actually fairly handy, um, especially in when we're playing plus five to hit. Um, like I'll remember plot points or people or whatever. And just because I had those notes and I got to say having control F on a, a Microsoft word document is really helpful when you're trying to find that person's name or something from like 10 sessions ago. But, um, looking over your notes is always important because you get to see what you thought at the time and what was going on in, in your character's mind. Um, if you're a group who has a just one person as like a general note taker, uh, like Ryan said, make sure that's you know you have access to that. You go in, you take a look at it, kind of read what's going on, see what the the story is that you're experiencing, and you know try to put yourself back into some of those memories of, of what happened, you know how you felt, what was going on, and um, you know look into especially if you made any sort of updates or notes on your own character sheet. Um, keep an eye on like, Oh, I got this brand new item on our last session. That was four months ago. Oh crap. I almost forgot about that. You know, it was kind of like a big point or something. Um, so make sure you always review everything on your own sheet, uh, you know, notes wise, maybe abilities. If you just leveled up, make sure you kind of take a look and see what sort of new abilities you have and refresh yourself with who you are in this game world. Yeah. Yeah. Especially mechanically. Mm -hmm. uh spellcasters it, it's a big one um because sometimes that spell information just leaks out of your brain <laughs> um especially <clears throat> if you're been off for a few weeks or a month or two uh and when you hop into combat you don't want the combat taking double the time because everyone's forgot what they're doing or how stuff works or whatnot. So make sure to refamiliarize yourself with your character, your mechanics, and such as well, so that you're ready to go for those types of situations, uh, especially the first one back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you've been playing Baldur's Gate a whole ton, so you're like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Not all the spells and everything translate over 100%. Things are different. So make sure you kind of refamiliarize yourself with the actual Dungeons and Dragons rules as opposed to the Baldur's Gate rules. I a hundred percent have that problem. Some sometimes it's just like, is that how the Baldur's Gate version works, or is that how the real one works? I've I've asked that question a few times um, in the last uh, session or two I played. So it's it's definitely a thing. Yeah, definitely a thing. Disguise self very different in Baldur's Gate than it is in Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Yep. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, just your I'm back from hiatus. We've been off for a few weeks or a month or two. Um, but then we we thought we would kind of transition into our listener question from Discord, because this kind of fits into that hiatus piece. Um, so the question basically was, how do you do quest or lore dumps? during your game without your players or your brain checking out. Mm -hmm. And this is, <clears throat> this is like, th this could potentially be a, like, you could do this at any time, right? 
Um, you might have big lore dumps uh, that you have ready to go, or this might just be like the big dump of information from being gone for for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, from your game. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, and I, and I'll say this for me personally, because uh, I don't necessarily want to extrapolate, but as a DM, the lore dump stuff is the stuff that gets me super excited and geeked out. Uh, because especially it's probably a little less so when you're running a module, unless you've really customized it a lot. Uh, but for a homebrew world, certainly this is all stuff that you created, you made up, or you have done in conjunction with your players. Yeah. And so it's very easy for you as a DM to get excited about that and excited to tell them about the war that happened 500 years ago and all the different stuff or the founding of this or that city or why that mountain peak is cut off at the top or, you know, all these different sorts of things. Um, the, the hard part is doing it in such a way that it's interesting to your players. Mm-hmm. So, and Ben, I'll, I'll kind of let you, you go through a little bit what, what you do. So there's, there's usually a few options that you can do. You can go, let's say, uh, you can use, uh, expositional dialogue, right? This NPC is going to tell the characters about it. Yes. That's a little more in character. That's a little more RP oriented. You can embellish, you can, uh, use voices, use flourishes, uh, and then you have things like, all right, you go to the library and mm-hmm. you find a book on it. And then you just start like reading off <laughs> this huge, like chunk of your word document. Um, neither are wrong. Neither one is necessarily better than the other. You, you probably have to more so tailor it to your group. And sometimes if you let's say your group is not super RP oriented, but they need a chunk of lore for uh, the specific thing they're working on, um, you have the option of not even necessarily quote unquote boring the rest of the party with it, print it off and hand it to them yeah. or send them a, a private message with the chunk of text and be like, Hey, this is what your character gets. Mm-hmm. You know, distribute or uh, filter of it what you will to give to the rest of the parties needed. Yeah, right? yeah. And one of the things too is that to to really stop it from being like a huge, long, drawn out thing. Um, and you know, even if you're a character who's you know emoting and expressing and and you know you're RPing your way through it and everything like that there's nothing that says that you need to give them all the information right now. Um, there was something there, there's like a, a big, huge history of a big, huge war and all the stuff that's, that happened in the history of my game. And I've been doling out bits of information of it, you know, kind of over the course of the campaign. Um, whereas like, okay, this big thing happened and everything like that. Okay, cool. They don't need to know the exact way that everything stopped right now. You know, like, like who won, how this happened and everything like that. Um, 
later on as, as things become more pertinent and the, the information is more relevant, that's when they can discover it either in like text or tomes, or there's an NPC who's able to like give them the information and kind of continue on and, and grow upon that. So it's almost like, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting there like watching a movie and, oh, you don't know what happened of this big, huge, you know, plot point, but it's going to be revealed over time. You know, you're not just getting the whole, whole huge lore dump, you know, like <laughs> as much as I love Star Wars and their text crawls are one way to do it. Other points of narration and stuff in some movies is just so dry and it gives you all this information that you really, truly don't need, but it's just kind of there. That's the thing that we're kind of trying to stay away from. You're getting just enough to keep the story kind of going and flowing and moving forward. And then when it calls for it, give more information. When it calls for it, give more information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoy is that I do have uh, two of the characters in my game. They're, they're total book rats. You know, they, they love going to the library, love researching. So for me, it's a way to, you know, impart more information and more lore. But the fun part is, is that I get to totally base it entirely off of how they're asking the questions, what they're actually kind of digging more into. So if they are asking questions about something that is, you know, not even touching this bit over here, I can save that for something else. If it's even important or relevant ever in the game, who knows? You know, even though I'm proud of the lore that I've built and everything, I don't need to give them everything. They don't need it. You know, as much as I want to share, hey, this is what's going on in the world and everything that's awesome and really neat. The scope of the characters isn't omnipotence. It's what's affecting them, what's going on with them, what do they need to know? So whether like there's Ryan no said, reason that you can't keep track of all that yeah. other cool stuff that's going on so that if it becomes applicable later, you can say that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, in fact, based off of one tiny little minute thing that happened, um, all of a sudden a huge bit of lore grew in a certain section of my world that's they haven't even talked about or, or, or really gone back to thinking of whatsoever. But I know that this thing is happening in case it ever gets touched on again. And having access to libraries is a good way of giving that out that information, like I said. And, and like you said, having, you know, an NPC or something works well. But instead of just exposing at them, there's different things that you can do to kind of you know, pepper little bits of information and lore around as well. Like just as they're walking through a city, you can have, um, you know, like a, a town crier calling out like news about something, um, you know, like a fifth anniversary of the Archduke's death or, or something along those lines. Um, you know, there could be like a celebration or a festival or something happening that is able to kind of fill them in about things that are going on or, it could just be, you know, people talking about, say, like um, political intrigue in a bar, like maybe they're debating something that's going on or, or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different places where, again, you don't need the entire piece of lore. You don't need the the the, <laughs> the 12 readme files or something that you have written down somewhere. Give them the little bits here and there. And especially that way you're able to kind of see what they find interesting and you can build off of that and kind of craft the story around them so that they're fitting into the lore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing I've done uh, a few times before is especially in a bigger city or something like that is I've done a newspaper mm -hmm. um, where it's basically 
the party can pick it up. I have the major headlines written down. And then I can say, if you want to know any more about any of the stuff, any of these headlines, let me know and we can dive into them. Or if you don't care, you don't care and we won't read that one or you don't have to have that one. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one way I've I've uh, used personally of of distributing like relevant or interesting information, especially if they're between things or if they're trying to decide what to do. And as a DM, I have multiple paths that they could take. And I will say that I'm thoroughly impressed with all the different political cartoons that you draw and put in there too. It's very, very cool. So good job on that. Fantasy political cartoons. (laughs) (laughs) Down with the Duke. (laughs) Yeah. There's, you know, just like picture of an egg with the word Duke on it and, you know, on top of a wall and it's about the father or something. And this means that the the government's going to topple over any minute now. And yeah, I don't know. The Duke made a dookie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, yeah. one of the best things about homebrew is your own lore. And as someone who has created some awesome things as well as really stupid things, I want to share it all. But you know what? There's always going to be more campaign and uh, anything that I don't that, that doesn't get touched on or, or uh, talked about right now. Uh, I can always drag that into another campaign or another adventure or something else. So, you know, don't feel like you have to just blurt everything out and just become a huge, dry, boring fest for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's good. And I, I know uh, from the comment, one of the things I said, this is how it played out for us. Spent the session getting lore and quest information from townsfolk via card and dice games. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, how it played out at the table, highest roll D20 got to ask the lowest roll D20 a question of their choosing. Uh, they kept the story moving forward. So yeah, that's, I love that's, that's kind of like the, the next step into the NPC, uh, lore, lore drop is the, oh, let's make this something interesting. That's also happening at the same time mm-hmm. to keep people engaged, like, like a card game. Or uh, or a dice game, or that's a that's a great tavern type thing, <laughs> or exactly. maybe it's some really cool library that you can uh, you can theme, and there's other stuff that can be happening, or some you know some other location where an event is happening, and as part of the event, stuff is coming. Uh, I I've had uh, I've heard I have not done this, but like the. Uh, remember the little like puppet shows yeah. in the cities, uh, stuff like that, like reenactments of things at a festival, mm-hmm. right. That are lore related that you could use then as, as lore drops too. Yeah, so there's that. all sorts of different delivery mechanisms. Uh, just tailor it to your story and to your party. And for some reason, just popping into my head and keep in mind, I'm still sick. So things are just kind of going all over the place in there. But uh, the fight between uh, Wesley and Inigo Montoya is coming to mind, how they're just kind of talking back and forth while having oh, a duel example. and stuff. Yeah, it's perfect again, example. bits of lore, bits of knowledge, bits of story just kind of being tossed out just as something's going on. And, you know, you can have something really cool and fun like that going on, too. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great example of like story through combat. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Potentially. That's like, it's super, super cool. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, how do you usually like to deliver your lore? Let us know. Send us an email. Uh, shoot us a message on, on Discord. We would love to hear about it. Yes, please do. Uh, okay. So a few more things before we start, uh, before we kind of wrap up and talk about what we've been doing. Uh, one big thing, uh, you may have seen it in your friendly local game store or finally started getting it. The Deck of Many Things physical edition finally started shipping after uh, a printing error, I believe is what they said, caused them to have to delay the shipments to have to redo a bunch of stuff. Um, I've seen some reviews on it. I do not have it personally. Uh, it looks very nice. Yes, it does. Honestly, if that's uh, if that's the kind of thing that you want, or obviously there's digital versions as well. Uh, but those physical versions are finally out. If that's something you want, uh, they're available to go grab. They're online or uh, check out your friendly local game store. Support them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's plenty of places that you can find it. And uh, like I said, it it does look very pretty. It's it's a very cool box. You got the, your deck, which the artwork on it is just amazing. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Lots of really good, good, cool stuff. Uh, also, in shout outs, the brand new book from MCDM. This is not the monster book. This is the layer book called Where Evil Lives. Uh, and this is a full scale like layer book um, that's. Uh, multiple hundreds of pages like mm-hmm. they they just decided to do a second book. <laughs> when they were making their monster book because they couldn't fit it all into the same. It's it is 320 pages. Like this is uh, like this is just wild. Um, there's a really uh, there's a lot of really cool layers in this. And not only are there are a lot of really cool layers, there are a lot of uh, really cool layers for all levels. Mm-hmm. They have layers starting at second level. And then one all the way up through 20th. Yeah. 22 total dungeons. Yeah. They got like, yeah, two, two, 13, two, 11, two, 10. And then at least one for every other level, except first level. Uh, So super, super cool. They've got the boss ancestry of like what the type of thing is. They all have, they have maps and such uh, for each of the types of things. Uh, super cool. And all the stat blocks, uh, many of them from uh, Flea Mortals are in there as well. So if you are looking for that cool boss layer encounter that you can pull out and drop into your game that is uh, very well made and well tested, definitely check that book out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks very cool. And the idea of just so many different layers and everything is is definitely a plus. And the best part is actually lower level stuff. Yeah, exactly. You don't have a whole lot of dungeons that are aimed for like a level two or level three character. Uh, Granted, no one's going to put a level one one together because, you know, you'll just die. But, you know, lower level stuff, you know, having things that are actually tuned to it. I think that's really great. And uh, everything that MCDM puts out is definitely good, worthy content. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Also. I wanted to shout out uh, MT Black Games. Uh, 
MT Black is a third-party publisher. They have done uh, D&D stuff as well as other RPG stuff, but uh, MT Black has a newsletter that is sent out weekly uh, with like top 10 D&D things of the week. And not all of them are winners by any means, but I have found that over the years, uh, this has been a very cool newsletter that uh, has had some real gems in it uh, that has they have kind of publicized and uh, put in the newsletter that I've gotten to read through or items that are free, stat blocks that are free, those sorts of things. So uh, I highly recommend signing up for this this weekly one. Uh, chances are there will be at least one thing per newsletter that you will find useful or be able to to utilize or learn from. Yeah, in fact, uh, th- this was new to me, which is really cool, and I signed up. And by doing so, they just went ahead and gave me some PDFs of uh, Barton Tales with like you know different random jokes and everything. And then after I signed up, then I also got a, uh, a, a another supplement, the the Temple of the Nightbringers, which I think is going to be something kind of cool. To take a look at and stuff. I mean, I just did this stuff today, and all of a sudden they're all here. Have all this stuff. So definitely check it out. I give we'll you lots it. of free stuff when yeah. you when you sign up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, uh, make sure to take a look at the uh, links in the notes. Awesome. Uh, and then finally, as we usually do, let's talk a little bit about what we've been doing. And I actually can do this, but but Ben, I know, I know you're wanting to get back so much, uh, so, <laughs> but you still you haven't been able to get back. But do you have do you have plans? Do you have a date set? Do you do you know what you're doing? Uh, when you, when you start back into it? Um, I know kind of where we're going to be picking back up. Uh, we are going to pick back up right where we left off, which was um, our, uh, our sorcerer got his uh, basically God-given artifact, um, which is going to be the key to kind of unlocking and opening the rest of the campaign. Because uh, the, that artifact is going to be the key to uh, kind of lead them down the path of like, okay, here are these other artifacts they need to get, as well as um, some tablets that'll have the instructions on how to actually seal the way the gods again, which is like this big, huge problem that's happening where because of um, this, you know, uh, mini god or demigod that kind of broke through the veil before it weakened the the protective layer around, you know, the mortal realm and Tiamat is working her way to break through again and get back to the material plane to, you know, destroy the world, wipe out mortal kind and, you know, all that fun stuff. So they're going to be uh, looking for uh, the ritual to, to close that. There's going to be a nice, you know, hunt going on for all these other artifacts to help lend power to it. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the fact that they have the ability to jump planes is definitely going to play a part into all this. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, some unique places for them to kind of visit and, uh, you know, dabble in. Yeah, that's super cool. I cannot wait to hear about it once you are you are finally able to get that that rolling again. Yeah, I know I told you about uh, one artifact and kind of what's going on with it and stuff. And I'm really looking forward to that. I hope that's kind of the direction that they go first because it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. That's super exciting. 
Um, for me, I've got uh, two different things I wanted to talk about. The first being um, in like mid late December, uh, I finally got to play my very first game of Call of Cthulhu, which was super cool. It's uh, a system I've been wanting to run uh, or at least play in for for quite a while. And uh, a friend of our of mine ran it uh, for me and a few other great people over at our friendly, friendly local game store. <clears throat> uh, and it was kind of a Christmassy themed Call of Cthulhu, which was well, very appropriate for the time. Yeah, um, we, we did it about four ish hours. Um, uh, for those that don't know, Call of Cthulhu is like like early 1900s Victorian slash uh, sometimes steampunky type era. We played in a like 1950s uh, era uh, for our little thing. And the the big difference between Call of Cthulhu and like something like D&D is it is not heroic fantasy. No, <laughs> it is very, very low magic uh like uh very street level mm -hmm. fantasy um and and kind of and so more horror based too yeah usually usually a little more of the the horror tinge to it um our our lore master um game master was uh very good uh did a did an absolutely phenomenal job there's as a as a call of cthulhu as a player there's like professions and there's a lot of them that you can pick from and then based on that you get certain like tools and stuff there's no d20s uh you actually roll with percentiles you know that D, &D dice that you never use uh, nice. um <laughs> so it's basically is you have a bunch of different skills and you're trying to roll their percentile dice underneath your skill number. So let's say I had a skill of 30 or 40 in something. I want my percentile dice to be underneath. So you're looking for, for like a 15. Yeah. Um, and the lower you go, like the better it is. Like I, I believe like rolling a one is like a, like super success. Or whatever and rolling really low whereas rolling really high in like the mid 90s or 100 can be a, a very bad failure um so it's it was kind of cool that uh just a different system of of rolling and checks and all the, the different there's there's way more skills than there are like like there was like three or four full rows of different skills some of them you know are just like a default type thing where like I have a five or a 10 by default, but then mm -hmm. you have specialized ones based on your profession where they're, they're going to be higher. But again, this is not a heroic fantasy. Your characters are very fragile. Um, there is a lot of, uh, actual threat, uh, and danger to the, to what is going on in the story. Like Ben says, it's usually kind of horror themed. This was based on a like uh, myth folk tale of um, I forget the, the the type of creature that that leaves coal, basically. So the coal in the story was a type of drug 
that uh, basically addicted these people. Um, and they basically, when they got addicted enough, they just forgot to do everything mm-hmm. and just kind of withered away. Um, and it was this like college town. So our group was kind of investigating as to why these like healthy college students were like dying on just in this, in this town uh, and what the connection was and finding like out uh, the supernatural linkings of where this drug came from. And uh, it's, it was a piece of coal that you licked. Uh, so <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's it's super fun. Uh I would a hundred percent play again. Um Call of Cthulhu is usually not run as a very like long-term campaign because of the mortality rate <laughs> that uh can be had with the characters, but for like one shots or short form campaigns, uh highly recommended. It was super fun. And I can't wait to play again. So the big question is, did you survive? I did. I did survive. All right. I did survive. I played a, uh, I played a PI. Um, so that was, that was super cool. So I got to actually use some investigation skills. Uh, had a little revolver, uh, which is about as strong as the weapons get in that, in that game. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, everyone did a great job. It is much more role play oriented than combat oriented mm-hmm. as well. This is not like a a heavy combat type game, uh, or at least not in the way that you would think of like D&D combat, like gridded squares and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I love the role play aspect of it. So highly recommended. I'm looking forward to, to getting to play again for sure. Well, very cool. I, I hope you get to. And one of these days, I need, I know I need to try it, even though cosmic horror usually freaks me out. But you know what? Going into it knowing, hey, I'm going to die. I think I'll have some fun. Just embrace the tentacles, Ben. Embrace Ew? the tentacles. Ew. <laughs> yep. This one, this one was, uh, this one ended up being like a big old uh, mishmash deer monster. Oh, that's so that cool. was that was that was fun. That was fun. Uh, and then secondly, uh, I launched campaign four. Yay. That's good. Um, and this is this is kind of uh, how I keep been keeping track of campaigns in my world. I've run three full multi year campaigns in my in my homebrew world. And then this is this is the fourth one. I'm super excited uh, to to get this going. Uh, we had our first session. Um, great, great characters all around. Basically, the the premise right now is uh, for those who have listened before. In my world, there's the this it, big landmass. Uh, so this is taking place on a continent that I've run on before. And there's a big area called the Wastes in like the southeastern part of the continent where there's a volcano and where a giant red dragon uh, is supposed to live. Um, the Wastes has these monsters and stuff that come out of it and attack these, these border towns and cities and forts were put up to kind of staunch that flow. But in the last 
several years we did a i did a five-year time jump between this campaign and the last campaign because all the other three campaigns took place relatively in the same time period ish of a year or two um but the waste has been uh becoming more active and so because of that uh people are getting pushed out refugees are flooding to the to the border cities the flooding to uh the larger city elathar in this case which is my giant city on the continent that's just to the uh northwest of where the wastes are and so part of this whole thing is that uh all these characters are embedded either in the city or uh are refugees themselves and so um uh, essentially what has come of it is refugees are starting to disappear. Uh, the city does not have the resources to look into it. Like they're it's, it's being overwhelmed right now with, mm-hmm. uh, all the, the people that are, that are coming in. And so specifically this party, um, one of them is works with refugees. One of the other party members is a refugee uh her sister has gone missing Ooh. that she came with uh so uh between like a job that uh the character had placed the refugee uh in and uh someone one of the characters owns that a shop basically where she got a job and then there's a, another character who's kind of like a private investigator type background uh, that for story reasons just happens to live in the attic, just the small little attic of this <laughs> shop. Um, the, the, so this kind of tacitly familiar group has gotten together and, uh, currently being driven by finding, uh, trying to find the player's sister who has gone missing. Well, that's a really good and way so, of kind of pulling him together. Yeah, yeah I, I was I was very happy. We it, it didn't take super long. We had some fun little story bits in the shop, uh, but then they started investigating, uh, started following a trail. Uh, they they kind of uh, got some leads on uh, like where her sister was last. Uh, some people who were there uh, kind of suspicious and followed them to this other tavern uh, where they found them trying to essentially, it looked like they were basically marking another refugee target while they Ooh. were playing games and stuff. Uh, and so the party very, uh, very uniquely were able to get that other refugee out Um and one and the the one player offered themselves up basically as the bait oh. so that uh, they could be followed and questioned and find the sister. Uh, unfortunately, uh, being the bait can be not the greatest. Uh, <laughs> so the session ended with uh, one of the one of the. Uh, alleged kidnappers basically uh, poisoning and knocking her out 
while the rest of her party is running to try and catch up. Oh, wow. uh, and so that's kind of that's kind of where we left off the the very first session. That, like I said, that's very very brief. Lots of stuff happened. Um, I could not be happier, honestly, with how the first session went. Um, the characters are gelling really well. The players are gelling really well. Um, the the story feels like it's going to be interesting because uh, there's a lot of much larger things going on and we're just starting to scratch the surface. So I'm very excited to to continue. That's very cool. I'm looking forward to kind of hearing what's going on with the mystery and stuff. And, you know, hopefully uh, they'll be able to uh, to save the player. I mean, holy crap, that that's a scary thing that's going on to kind of leave off. Yeah. With. First combat. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to pick up pick up session two with the very first combat of the campaign. So the all the characters are level two right now. So it's it's we're we're starting fairly low um, uh, right at the beginning. So it's it'll be fun to kind of work up again through different things with with all these different characters. That's very cool. Uh, but that will come hopefully soon. But right now, that is the end of our show for this evening. It's good. To, it feels good to get uh, get our first episode of the year out. Um, ben, of course, I hope you feel better uh, <laughs> for our next one. Oh, so do um, I. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate but, us uh, kind of taking this one a little easy this week so I don't have to talk too much because I'm surprised I haven't died yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, before you do and go get some rest, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached so that they can tell us their own stories and ask you us uh, ask us the questions. Yeah. Um, easiest place to find us uh, actually is going to be on our Discord. Um, we're going to have a link to that. Uh, it's on our Twitter. It's on our Blue Sky page. It's on the website uh, in our show notes every single week or every single episode. But if you want to know where those show notes are, go to dndiscussions.com. Every single episode that we have ever done is available there. That means uh, episode one through this episode, 103. So if you are enjoying this episode, it's the first one you've listened to, that's a great place to find every other one or on your podcast player choice. Because guess what? Where are you listening to us now? You can find other episodes. Who would have thought? Now, if you want to actually, you know, write something else that it's not in, you know, in the public, you may be a little shy. Just kind of want to tell us your your stories of Call of Cthulhu or anything else. You can always email us. Uh, we send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially about your games. Um, you know, Ryan and I both read them. It, it's interesting, you know, all the diversity and changes and, and differences of, of people's games and what's going on with them. So we love hearing that. Um, aside from that, you can find us on social media on Blue Sky. Uh, that is at DN Discussions. If you're looking for Ryan, he is at TBK Zord on Blue Sky. And I am at Ben Bumhofer. Great place to find us. Um, as for, uh, you know, anything else going on, um, I am also on uh, Plus 5 to Hit. Um, it is a Dungeons & Dragons live play. Uh, we are going to be picking back up soon with Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Uh, we would have recorded earlier this week, but I couldn't talk, so we didn't. Um, we're going to be starting a, a, that back up again in a couple weeks here, uh, but I'll let you know when it's going on. Um, so definitely check that out, plus five to hit. And uh, besides that, uh, everybody, thank you very much for uh, 
you know, starting the new year with us. We really appreciate all you listeners. And Ryan, it's always a pleasure talking to you, especially when I can. And I appreciate your patience. It's, it's been uh, it's been rough, but it's over getting there. So uh, until next time, everybody, make sure to roll high and be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you soon.